you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life, we understand how it is. Aguiloa try to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Pat's interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is year four, episode eight of Pat's Interference, the second best day of the year. Opening day of college football has finally come and gone. We've dissected it all. We've digested it all. And we are ready to give you a combined episode today. Usually we'll do two during the week, one Alabama, one national. But we're going to try and keep each segment to 30 minutes today. And combine the episodes. We've both got some life stuff going on. Brick, you especially, buddy. My name's Patrick Norwood. My co-host, Patrick Brittman, you've got you've got a lot of stuff going on that we're not going to mention right now. Or we'll mention in the future. But it's exciting stuff. It's yes, really it exciting we're, stuff. We're I'm really excited it. about it. Yeah, we're teasing it a little bit. We're not going to tell you exactly what's going on in my life. But uh, we're excited about it right now. And, and, and um, yeah, we'll keep you abreast here uh, Soon, soon and very soon you should know more. But um, you said second best day of the year, so you're going number one is Arbor Day, I believe? Pres- President's Day. President, oh, that's right, yeah. We always have a big President's Day uh, bash, pe- President's I'm, Day. I'm um, 100% serious when I say that President's Day the past two years have been one of the most fun days. But Jade and I just take the day off and just do whatever we want, and it's always great. Love President's Day. Love President's Day. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. This is a college football podcast. Like I said, usually we'll have one Alabama episode and one national episode. We're combining them this week. You get both. Uh, We're going to try and keep it to about 30 minutes roughly uh, for each section. About 20 minutes of this one. The first 20 minutes or so, we'll go over the Alabama-Louisville game. Uh, The uh, next 10 minutes, we'll preview the Alabama-Arkansas State game. Excuse me. Then we'll go into our national uh national episode that we're kind of throwing in this one it'll also be about 30 minutes 15 minutes of a review recap 15 minutes of a preview of next week which really is kind of not i don't want to use the word letdown there's just not as much excitement it's it's hard to have that much excitement after the weekend that we had week two uh, you know what happens yeah it does it does you know uh but if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. We're on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. We're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. We also have our own website at patsinterference.com. And you can email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. If there's something you want us to cover or not cover or something we messed up or something we missed, we always love hearing that type of stuff. Also, give us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate those. Those make us feel good. There's nothing better than a, a text on a crisp. Wednesday morning from Patrick Brittman, we got another review. And usually they're usually they're pretty good. If I can toot her on horn a little bit, usually they're not bad, you know? Toot toot. I wish I had that on my um on my on the, on the soundboard. On soundboard here. I don't have the toot toot in, so I'll just hit something at random. Uh we'll do uh one of You like that? That's a toot toot. That's as close to a toot toot. Alright, so um Speaking of toot toot, how about we go to a uh, Tua, my friend, 12 for 16, 227 yards, two TDs, a quarterback rating of 99.1. Let's just dive right into it, buddy. I think this was the storyline from the game. Uh, The first drive seemed too good to be true. Then it almost seemed like it was all crashing down until he got up off the turf, 
obviously, I think just getting the wind knocked out of him. That's if I'm what being it honest, appeared to be yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think we could have expected much more for Tuatonga Valoa uh, from this game. But what did you see on your end in Panama City Beach? Everything, Ev- everything, everything. You know, the are we hyping him too much? Um, you know, he's still, he was, it's one half of football. No, we saw we saw everything that you could ask to see from him for an encore to what we saw back in January. I mean, it was the numbers are there. Uh, five of the six possessions he was in on were touchdowns. And the only one that wasn't was when Devontae Smith fumbled on a great play that Tungavailoa made on a third down. Um, it, and uh, it, it really wasn't a bad play to, by Devontae Smith at all. It was just helmet on the ball, too. His his uh, his quarterback rating was the best at Alabama since 2012 when McCarron was here. It is uh, He is first in the nation now in quarterback rating. He, on, on third down, he was, third. this is third down and 10 plus yards. Three for three with 60-something yards. Touchdown, no interception, obviously. Just insane. Uh, of the 12 passes he completed, um, like, it was insane. Like, 12, of, 12 passes completed. I think uh, six of them went for 25 plus yards or something. He was on the money. He was in command of the offense. Um, he was hitting receivers uh, that were covered. Where they needed to be, he was hitting his receivers in stride. Not a ball was out of place except one to Jerry Judy in the end zone. He ran it yep. into the end zone on the next play. Uh, he slammed the door as far as a quarterback controversy is concerned. He's the real deal. I'm telling you. I said it before. And that, I'll say it again. That brings up my next question. Obviously, I also want to go over these receivers. Uh, so we'll just kind of run through their stats right quick. Devontae Smith, uh, I believe, had it was, uh, yep, right here. Four catches for 99 yards. Uh, Jalen Waddle, the freshman that you mentioned, you did a great job with that. Also, he was huge in the return game, don't forget. Uh, three receptions for 66 yards. Jerry Judy coming in at third. Four catches for 64 yards. Irv Smith Jr., two for 39. Not saying, just saying. Uh, Damian Harris had that one big catch out of the flat. Had a quiet game other than that, but really it was all just kind of the Tua show. And as we say that sentence... It should bring up the next question, right? Right. What happens to the future of Jalen Hurts at the University of Alabama? That's going to be really interesting to see because the fans, and I'm one of them right now, we just want to see more Tua. That's it. It's like, I told you, it's like a drug to me right now. I was getting mad. I've never been this excited about an Alabama offense going out on the field. Okay. I say this a little tongue in cheek, but there was a part of me. There was disappointed that we're returning kickoffs for touchdowns because I'm like, dang it, I wanted to yeah. see Tua again. Not, yeah. we'll get into that in a minute. Josh Jacobs was fantastic as well, but um, no, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if Jalen plays this week. It, it was asked, you know, what are you going to do with Jalen? What's the plan? And Nick Saban's response was, we're handling it internally. If I told you, I might as well call out the other coach and t- so. Should Jalen play this week, wasting one of the four games that he could still get the red shirt? If he plays this week, it is Saban saying, I don't care about your red shirt. And Hurts is going to have to make that decision himself. I, um, I think, and I think that's what's going to happen. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel terrible for Jalen Hurts. I, look, I, I feel bad in the sense that he wasn't good enough. And sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes you're good and your best just isn't good enough. And I, I feel terrible about that because you hate seeing that happen to anybody. But at the same time, that's life. 
sometimes people are just better than you at things. Period. I, I mean, it, it stinks because you did a lot for the university, and I get that. But I, I don't see a world where Nick Saban is worried about Jalen Hurts' red shirt. No, I think I that think Nick either. Saban is very concerned about making sure that, you know, he talks about it all the time, growing them, uh, growing their character, growing them as young men. Well, if you're really doing that and you want someone to mature as an adult, part of that is walking into somebody's office and saying, hey, look, this has been great, but I can't do this to myself anymore. I've got to do what's best for my career. And on that note, it is up to the other person's job to respect that, to be there for that person, to recognize that they're growing past you, right? If I walk into your office and I say, I'm taking another opportunity and you're my boss, and your response is to lash out and freak out, that's not okay. (laughs) Now, uh, on that note, um, we don't know if that conversation has happened. It may have, right? It's being handled internally. But if the conversation hasn't been held, as long as Jalen Hurts is wearing crimson and at Alabama, all Nick Saban has to do is use him the way he sees fit. And if he says, no, you're my backup quarterback. I'm not redshirting you. You're my backup quarterback. Then that's the way it has to be. You're my backup. You will play if I put you yeah. in. Now, if Jay, now he would respect him if he came in and said, you know what? I do want the red shirt. Put me in your four most important games, and maybe he would respect that. But he doesn't owe anything to him in that regard. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see. Um, I don't think Jalen's transferring. I don't think he's going to Blake Barnett the team. But um, Would you blame him if he did? Yeah. You would. I would feel the same I way. Wouldn't. I would feel this. he started the season. He should end the season in Alabama. I, you got to do what's best for you. I mean, to be quite frank, I mean, if, you, if you've lost the job, if the writing's on the wall, there's not a clear position for you to play. I, I don't see a benefit in staying there at that point. Uh, not redshirted. Now, if, if, you, if you just dip out that, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say I'm okay with, but at the same time, it's just you, you got to do what's best with, for you. Uh, I think redshirting's his best option. He gets his degree in December, and then he can transfer from there. I think that's the best situation for everybody involved. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It just uh, you make a strong point. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. But uh, no, it's, you, it's tough. It's tough, and that's that's another aspect where maybe I feel bad for him. But I, I don't feel bad that Tua is getting the starting position now. He's no, the better just, guy. That's just can. life. It's a it's 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 football at the highest level in this in this sport. It is the yes. highest stakes at this sport. Alabama, you're going to one of the. You know, top teams in the country, the top program in the country, and you got to bring your. There's always somebody that's trying to supplant you. There always is. Yeah. There's always yeah. somebody else that's trying to take your job and trying to get. So, and and then again, Tua did everything to show us that he is the cream of the crop, the creme de la yes. creme, if you will. So, I still stand by my predictions from him and what I think he'll turn into and I think he'll be at Alabama. Um, beyond that, um, other facets of the game that weren't passing. The run uh, game was the one thing that I went, that didn't never really get going. I, I don't know if it was the fact that it never really got going or if it just never really had an opportunity to get going. I think it was more of the quarterback show and let's let's show the arm more than it was the run game. And 
that you know I don't like seeing that, but it's hard to complain when two is the one throwing the ball, yeah. right? Touchdowns on five of six possessions. Yeah, you like to run the ball, but we're getting the ball in the end zone. And at the yeah. same time, they tried to run. I don't want to, you know, really rake hurts over the coals, but when he came in, there was a noticeable change on our offense. And I guess I do want to talk oh, about sure. it. Because when he came in, I said this to you. The respect for our offense went out the door. They started bringing people in, stacking the box, daring them to throw. We couldn't get run lanes going. He wasn't hitting receivers. He had several bad passes. Even um, some of the ones completed were underthrown. He just doesn't... Uh, Underthrown or thrown behind completely. Thrown behind. He had a pass to one of our... I don't remember which receiver. um, Where he put it high and our receiver got crushed over the middle. The ball was hit and almost intercepted. Um, it's just, an, I don't, I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but it's just the, the difference. It's not just noticeable. It is night and day, the fluidity and the, the potential of the offense, uh, between the two quarterbacks. So that might be, and I'm saying that might be part of the reason the run game didn't get going. One running back though, had a breakout game and that's Josh Jacobs. Just, he's always been to me. I feel like one of your more favorite players on this team. And it yeah, must have been great I, to I see really that. like Josh Jacobs. He's he's a he's a change in pace. I've always liked those change in pace backs. You go back to Kenyon Drake before Kenyon Drake. You go back to D Hart. Um, you can even go back as far as 2008, 2009. I don't even know if you'll remember this name. Demetrius Good was oh, yeah. another guy who could come in um, and just had wheels. I mean, just had wheels from the jump. Um, Josh Jacobs had that great 77 yard kick return. Um, you know, so I I think. The run game is something that's going to evolve as the year goes on, but I, I think m- the brunt of the work will go to Damian Harris uh, and Najee Harris. I, I still can't imagine a world where Josh Jacobs leaps frog Najee Harris unless that injury nags Najee throughout the season. Yeah, I, I feel, and I, I hate, I don't want Najee to get. I, I can see it in the way he runs. He wants that signature breakaway touchdown that he hasn't had yet at Alabama. He scored. No. He scored a touchdown on Saturday. Uh, along with Jacobs, but he's still yet to really... He had some long runs in the title game, but really that signature moment, we're still waiting. Yeah. And I can see yeah. that he wants it. I hope he, I hope that comes soon for him. All right, I, offensively... I, ex- I expect that to happen. Offensively, we know what we're capable of now, and that was great to see. Everything you wanted to see pretty much happen from our starting unit. Defensively, let's talk a little defense... Um, we were breaking in a new, all, entirely new secondary against a team that's known for passing, and we also had some several new faces up front and at linebacker. We've had some injuries and some guys that have not played a ton of snaps came in, so it was a, it was a lot of new faces. And I do have to say, the fact that Alabama gave up zero touchdowns during the moments where the game was still competitive, they gave up fourteen points, but none that mattered while the game was still really competitive. That's huge to me. Yes. Yeah, that's that's big. I, the two players that stood out for me were Shaheem Carter and uh, Deontay Thompson. Both of them getting interceptions. Shaheem returning his to the house in kind of garbage time. Uh, Deontay Thompson's was extremely clutch on the goal line. Uh, great read on the ball. Laid the wood on a couple of guys um, Saturday night. He's and got I mean, next. Really, Thompson's got re- next. That, yeah. Those, those yeah. safeties... He, I don't know where he'll land. I don't. By the time he leaves Alabama, I don't know where he'll rank among our safeties. But he's got next. He's the next yeah. one. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think those two guys really stood out. Um, I thought the linebacker play was 
all right. Um, the penalties and the mental mental errors were just too much. Um, you know, I think it was ten penalties for 111 yards. Uh, that's that's you, you can't have that against SEC schools. Um, you, you can't have that in your big games because it really really shoots you in the foot. Uh, but other than that, you know, uh, Dylan Moses uh, four tackles. Uh, Deontay Thompson with five, Mac Wilson with five, Quinn and Williams had a huge game with six tackles, uh, looked injured for a second, but it looks like everything's going to be okay. Uh, at least that's the word coming out of the pressers this week. Won't be surprised if we don't see him too much if they want to rest him, uh, this upcoming week. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Raekwon Davis was also a beast. Didn't really have the stats to show for it, but a guy I really want to talk about. Ali Keho came in, had three tackles brick. This guy joined the team about a month ago. Are you impressed with Ollie Keho because he's coming in this early and having three tackles? Or are you disappointed that he only had three tackles? How could you not be how could you possibly be disappointed in that? He's he's a baby on our defense. He's a child. He's not yes. an early enrollee. He's not even a regular enrollee. He's a extra, extra late enrollee, and he's out there, you know, making an impact. I don't know I don't know when his tackles came, but he showed that he can go out on the field and do his job. How can he not love that? Sure. Jawan Pass on the other side going 20 for 39 for 252 yards. Uh, Two touchdowns, but also through two picks. Uh, Louisville's third down efficiency, four for 15. Alabama's 10 for 15. Uh, Louisville only gaining 268 total yards of offense. Uh, Only 16 of those on the ground. 16 rush yards. That's it. That's um, that's an Alabama defense for you. That's that's an Alabama defense. Partially that's all 26 also a, rushing attempts. Par- um, partially also a Louisville offense. If it's not Lamar Jackson, they're not running for a ton of yards. But um, true. The the big stat to me too is one of my big concerns with Tua with Alabama not running the ball was time of possession. Would Alabama control the time of possession game? And I know it's tough to tell in the Louisville game because, like you said, Louisville does kind of run that up-tempo sort of offense and Alabama kind of you know almost matched it uh, Alabama did win time of possession at 3109 uh, to 2851 so you know that's that's great Alabama also gave up a lot of first downs there were a lot of uh, a lot of easy passes that were especially over the middle of the field I'm hoping that's just miscues uh, but I, I think if Alabama faces some of these teams Ole Miss looks like they could sling the ball a little bit. Mississippi State can definitely sling the ball a little bit. We know what Jarrett Stidham can do. We can we talk, we can talk about that later in the podcast. Uh, but those easy completions have to be minimalized in these next coming weeks. Yeah, there will be growing pains. I mean, there's going to be moments where you go, that's a young defense. Oh, he was in the wrong position. That will come less and less over time, I believe. Um, but again, like... We faced a good offense on Saturday, an offense that I think in three weeks is going to go have a ton of success against FSU. Like, that's a good offense, and, and Jawan Pass looked like a good quarterback. He had moments. He got his. This is one of those prolific passing teams in the country. Um, we're about to actually play another team that can also sling the ball a little bit, so I think it's going to be pretty good. We won't face a team that can pass like that for a while. Going back to uh, your time of possession thing, I did want to say one thing. Um here, I, I, with Tua under center, I, I think you'll be happy to hear this. I think we can do whatever we want. No, and I mean, if we decide we need to score in five plays and we're, you know, got 80 yards to go, we can go for that. 
But if we're beating LSU by 14 with 10 minutes on the clock and we need to choose some clock, we'll be able to do that because they're going to have to respect every single yard marker on the field. Every single one. If they're going to stack the box, then we'll throw a sw- he will know to throw a swing pass out or do something. His football IQ is insane for a sophomore. We'll be able to do whatever we want. Very high. Brick, right quick to wrap up this game, uh, put a bow on it for me. What was your play of the game from the Louisville game the other night? Oh, man. Okay, so Hertz came in for his two or three series in the first half, and then we got the ball back with about 30 seconds to halftime. We're like, I wonder who that – and they put in Tua. And they put him in, I go, oh, we're, we got – okay. I just knew we had about 50 yards. I knew we were going to score. I just knew for whatever reason. And with like 18, 12 seconds – he just put it on the money. I mean, Judy ran a great route. It was a great route tree, and he got open behind the safety, but he just threw this beautiful little U-shaped, not quite a laser, but not quite a lob, a touch pass, as they call it, just right in his right where it needs, 100% on the money. It's, you, yeah. if, we can, if we can take 18 seconds and you know we're going to the end zone and you still can't stop that, that throw right there tells me, oh, good luck, everyone. Good luck. Good luck stopping yeah. this guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think for me, um, just to sort of go on that note, I think the pass for me that really did it um, was the pass to Wad. Uh, I guess it's Waddle. I, I swear Saban says Waddell. Uh, I, I cannot for the life of me figure out which pronunciation is correct. I'm going to call him Waddle because I think it's funnier. Uh, the pass to Waddle over the middle where Waddle kind of had to stretch out is a little bit overthrown. I think if he hits him in stride, it's a touchdown. But it was nice to see Tua, even when he makes mistakes, don't forget Alabama has a wide receiver's core that can forgive those mistakes, that can get over those mistakes and still play at a high level and still catch the ball, run with the ball. There were a lot of slant routes the other day where I thought, oh, that's not going anywhere. Oh, this play's dead. I mean, the Devontae Smith's fumble play it's such a bummer it was a fumble because it was a great play yeah to his scrambled snuck behind his own right tackle who is faced the wrong way uh avoided two tacklers dished the ball out to Devonte smith to just try and get three or four yards smith made a great move and just had an unlucky helmet to the ball sort of situation for the fumble uh so that was that was a huge play i mean there are a lot of plays like that where i thought oh we're toast Two is going down for a sack and then all of a sudden He's fine. <laughs> he's he's doing the exact opposite. But the pass to Waddle over the middle, I, I'd say, was the most impressive to me. Uh, well, Damian Harris's that, run was also great. That 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 Waddle throw, the other half of that is not just that Waddle was open. He was open because Tua looked him open. Yes, they they had they had Judy come across and and um, occupy the safety, and Tua made sure to look at Judy so the safety go, oh, he's going to throw it there. And then Waddle, you know, with his speed, snuck behind that or past that DB, and boom, it was over. Our run, our receivers are too fast. So, uh, moving on, uh, I mentioned this a second ago, but they play Arkansas State two thirty game. It's going to be on ESPN two uh, home opener in Bryant Denny Stadium. Hopefully, the weather will be nice uh, for the fans there. But um, a big thing, Arkansas State. Yeah, they played Southeastern Missouri, but their fourth 
in the nation right now in passing. They threw for 497 yards in their opener. I forget their quarterback's name. I'm sure you have it in front of you, but he yeah, had six it's, touchdowns. Uh, Justin, Justice Hansen. They actually had two quarterbacks play, Justice Hansen and Logan Bonner. Uh, Alabama will definitely be seeing Hansen. Went 26 for 36 uh, for 423 yards um, for six TDs and one pick. Uh, just ridiculous stats. Um, I think it's a great opponent to play our team. Like, I, we know it's the game that's not going to jump out at you on anybody's schedule. We know we know Alabama's going to win by multiple touchdowns. But the fact that we are playing a team that still has the ability to, maybe not the same as Louisville, but still will be able to test our secondary. It's like when our team needed to play the triple option, needed a, needed a team yes. to make them have to think on their feet. Yep. Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern. That's the game I'm talking about back in exactly. 2012. Uh, 11. 2011, sorry. Yeah, back in 2011. Yes, we know we're going to win. And yeah, Saban might be mad at some of the things that happened after the game, but it's good to have that this early. So I'm, I'm happy we're playing Arkansas State. It's not yeah. your normal average, the Citadel, Austin P um, game like that, you know? Yeah, Prairie I, I View think... You know, it, it's good. It's a good, like you said, I think you said it best when you said it's a good test for the defensive backs. This is obviously not a team who's afraid uh, to throw the long ball. They had three touchdown passes uh, over 50 yards. They had a 67-yard touchdown pass, a 57-yard touchdown pass, and a 54-yard touchdown pass. Um, those three guys who caught those touchdown passes, that was one of their two receptions of the day, but they're giving the ball out. I mean, a, to a lot of different guys. I mean, everybody's eating on their receiving court. It's it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys caught a pass for Arkansas State Saturday versus Southeast Missouri. Right. Um, so if, if Bama sleepwalks, they'll they'll put a hurting on our secondary, and, and for sure, there's going to be some running at practice. Um, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on the game, but uh, I'll ask you offensively, what do you want to see? I know we always ask this question when we're playing a team that we're going to beat but it's it's the general what do you want to see offensively uh, offensively i want to see alabama get the ground game going that should come as no surprise to you or anyone that's listened to the podcast ever uh especially since i started a hashtag last year abolish the forward pass abolish the forward pass we uh, most people said run the ball we said abolish the forward abolish pass. the forward pass make it illegal uh no but i i think alabama needs to get the ground game going and show that side is a threat even if it is with tua um i i understand and i just said it so i sound like a hypocrite if it's not broken don't fix it but i also think there's something to be said to a team that can pass the ball as effectively as alabama did last saturday and then oh wait they've still got uh the two harrises uh, Josh Jacobs, Brian Robinson, uh, those four guys really carrying a huge load um, on the ground. And I would love to see that time of possession go up. So really establish a ground game and get that time of possession up. And I'll be pleased with this game on Saturday. I'll go defense. What I want to see from the defense. I mean, we alluded to it. We don't want to see them sleepwalk, but um, I want to see a, uh, I want to see a, a hearty pass rush as well. Um, we got after Jawan Pass a little bit. We didn't hit him and cause as much stress on him as I wanted. Uh, it wasn't terrible. You know, we hit him a couple times, and he had to make some quick throws. And we had two interceptions because of some pressure. Um, I want to see our front seven develop into a, you know, into a, a fearsome pass rush, not just, hey, every now and then. I, wanted, I don't expect it to be what it was in 2016, but 
I want to see more from the pass rush as well as obviously I want to see the secondary. Um, we're not. I don't think we should. I don't. I don't think we should do a score prediction for this game. We can. Uh, we we can. Um, one thing I do want to mention too is one of Arkansas State's. Uh, I think top receivers went down with a broken ankle in the season opener. Bummer. Um, so that's that's something to look out for too. Um, you know, obviously, you, you never wish that upon anybody. Um, yeah, Dahu Green had two catches. Uh, he only had twenty three yards. Um, but it's still, you know, that's a piece of that puzzle that's going to be missing. I don't like doing over under, or, uh, I don't like doing a score prediction for this game. I, it's just saving gets so weird about putting the twos in early that it's tough. You know, you can be on pace to win 68, nothing, but then saving puts in the twos and you win 52, seven, yeah. I mean, sometimes we take our foot off the gas at 35. We might score another field goal and with the second unit, it's 38. Yeah. So yeah, you're uh, so, right. You know, if if I had to make a score prediction, I'll say 59-10, 52-10, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, it's it, this is this is more of a I, test for the secondary. I in don't my think opinion. I'm going to do one. I'm not going to do because I genuinely think had we really wanted to, we could have put up 80-90 on Louisville if we just wanted to keep going at it. So I uh, I don't really see the need well we'll come back with the score prediction uh next week is it Ole Miss Ole Miss in week three an Ole Miss team that looked uh really talented Brick uh how, how, what how are we doing on time we are time at uh, we're right at about 29 minutes okay perfect so we're we're done with the Alabama episode thank you uh Alabama listeners for listening to that if you don't want to listen to the national episode uh now is your time uh to sort of turn it off but why would why would you want to turn it off yeah this is the meat why would you want to do that? This is because now we now we get to go make fun of everybody. This is the best part. This is the best part, uh, Brick. So this is going to be a little bit different than how we usually do it. Like we said, we're trying to shorten this a little bit. We're going to spend fifteen minutes as a recap, fifteen-ish uh, minutes uh, for a preview. We're doing well on time, so I don't want to rush it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I want to make sure we're hitting all the marks that we want to in a swift and orderly fashion. So here is what I am going to do if you're okay with it. I'm going to go down the week one scoreboard. Uh, When I hit a game that I feel like we need to talk about, I'll throw out a question, throw out a stat, and let you run with it. How is that? I love it. Okay, here we go. Uh, The team that I will not name beat UConn. Nobody cares. Uh, Wisconsin (laughs) beat Western Kentucky 34-3. Horny book going 17 for 29 for 257 two touches horny brook are you buying or selling this season oh man you know i'm horny for horny brook love it love it we'll we'll buy we'll buy a little alex horny brook sure we're, we're in the market for a good cute oh wait never mind no we're not michigan state almost try they tried so hard to make this a bad game uh, against utah state only beating utah state the aggies by seven is it time to hit the panic button for michigan state michigan state i will say uh yes i don't like that showing um i am more shocked by that showing than another one we're gonna name later uh yeah i think uh if you give up 319 yards to the quarterback at utah state you're in for a rough week uh lj scott had 23 carries for 84 yards uh, a little interesting tidbit that I just think is kind of funny. Uh, Michigan State sc- scored 11 points 
in the last quarter? I don't I don't know if I've ever seen an eleven point quarter. Uh, maybe a touchdown with a two point conversion and a field goal. That's that's what I'm sticking with. Maybe I I don't know. It, it's that's just weird. But you you can't give up thirty one points to Utah State when you're in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm not saying they need to mash the panic button yet because, to be honest with you, I didn't watch much of the game. I just watched the last quarter. I think they're kind of they've got their hand hovering over the button in East Lansing, but Lord knows that uh, athletic department has had uh, an unbelievable amount of turmoil and turbulence that we're not going to get into because, again, bad for the sport. Stanford mopped up on San Diego State like everybody thought they would, but Bryce Love not really showing up the last guy to have a game uh the last excuse me uh returning heisman finalist to have a game that poor herschel walker wow good stat so there you go uh so stanford taking care of business there alabama louisville we already went over clemson mopped up on Furman. uh definitely i i think picked their quarterback and kelly bryant um they they say it's still they're going to play both guys, but Kelly Bryant had a 35-yard touchdown run. It seems like they're really comfortable with him in that offense. Do you agree? Yes, but I will say, Trevor Lawrence, a lot of their fans say as far as moving the offense and moving the ball and throwing, looked more efficient, looked better. So something to keep looking out for. If Clemson runs into some turbulence on their schedule, I don't expect they will. But if they do, the cries for Trevor are going to be on another lever. I hate that. Uh, Ohio State looked like they may give Oregon State a shot at the beginning of the game, then realized who they were and decided to run up the score with that piece of garbage, Urban Meyer, not there. Obviously, like we said, not going to make an impact, not going to matter. Dwayne Haskins threw for 313 he awesome. yards. He looked really Five good. touchdowns. He looked great. He looked fantastic. And it's it's he's a great player. Uh, I, I still take two F. All, all day. Oh, I you know you know how I feel. There's not another quarterback in the country I'd take over him. But the six nine matchup, Washington Auburn. Nice. This is the first place where I really want to stop and, and take a second. I know we've been flying through these games. We're gonna stop here for a little bit. Yep. It looked like Auburn was in control of this game. At one point, this game was fifteen to three. I think uh, Auburn decided to go for two because Auburn. Um, and it, it, it looked like Auburn was going to kind of run away with it. And right about that time, their offense came to a screeching halt. They let Jake Browning and the Huskies come tearing back. I think at one point the Huskies had the lead. They took the lead right late, around, yes. It was, it was right around the time that the Bulls started their game, so forgive me if I'm misremembering. But I, I remember uh, Browning's cup, uh, his one touchdown pass was a beauty. One-handed catch, uh, by the way, by uh, pa- pa- Pounds was his name. Uh, yes, Quentin Pounds. is his one catch of the day. Um, but Jake Browning out-throwing Jarrett Stidham. Um, he did throw an interception, which Stidham didn't, and Stidham had a little bit better of a QBR. Uh, but Browning threw for 296. That offense seemed to, to stall. Now, uh, by your account, do you feel like that is an issue for Auburn is that something that Auburn should feel puzzled by should feel scared by or was this just a a team that had some miscues that they're gonna you know work out those wrinkles uh before next week I would say kind of but not really um 
yeah, they were moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, and then they, you know, kind of do something silly and, and, you know, then they missed a field goal. And But I'm not – this game quickly turned into a slugfest, an ugly game. I loved it. It was – I watched every play of this game, just a knockdown. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a out. grind. You know, they had their first couple drives scripted really well, but then was uh, – uh, Washington made their adjustments on defense. They've got a great defense, too. They were going to stop you sometimes. And then it just kind of turned into a... Yes, there is some concern about the Gus Malzahn way of doing it, where it looks like they can put a team away early, and they never do. That is not the way Gus Malzahn has been at all at Auburn. That's just... That is that is where... Because both Auburn's happy. They're not thrilled with the win. Because Gus Malzahn could have ended this game early, but he gets a yes. little bit more uh, not complacent. What's the word I'm looking for? Just a little bit, I don't know, um, not complacent. You know what I'm talking about. But they don't keep their foot on the gas. The word's on the tip of my tongue, and I don't know like, how to say it. Like, like it's a cool more... It's like Georgia in the title game. They just get more cautious. They get more whatever. I'm trying to think of a very obvious word, and I can't. But they don't keep their foot on the gas as much as they were. Auburn came out. They had a 90% crowd. They were running around like they owned the place. And then things settled down, and it just got a little bit more tedious. Oh, my gosh, I can't think of the word. doesn't matter. Because it was a slugfest. I, I'm, I'm going to talk. I want you to Google the word because it's going to drive you insane. And it's I know, going to. I, I know you. Uh, here's the thing. If I'm Auburn, I'm kind of freaking out about this game a little bit. Here's why. Uh, not only did you let Washington drive down the field in the last drive, you did get a big sack on 4th and 16. But Washington also had a touchdown called back, and they fumbled at your 5-yard line. If either of those plays goes in a different way, they're up 23-21 because you decided you needed to go for two, all right? And if I'm Auburn, that is terrifying to me because I think Washington was horribly overrated. I, I don't think that they are the number six team in the country. I did put them in my playoff because I really do thought – I really did think they were going to beat Auburn. And for a while, it looked like I might be right. But – they had, they had to depend on Ben Burke, Curvin, so many times on that defense. DJ Beavers, guys like that, that it just never really seemed like the defense settled in, despite Auburn kind of slowing the pace down. Uh, have you found that word yet? No, it's really bad. Okay, but I, I do. I will say that um, I am. Uh, I'm on the opposite side of you. They played a good opponent in an opening game, and they came out with the win. You and they're not going to be tested for a little bit. This they could have lost this game, but they didn't. And Auburn's a lot. Auburn's lost a lot of these games, and somehow they found a way to win this one. Um, the huge defensive stop. Uh, that third down play call was in, incredible. Where they just and then the fourth down play call was even better, uh, where they stopped them. But listen, you you win an opening game, neutral site. I don't care what the score is. They Washington was ranked higher. Auburn got the win, and now they're in their. They still control their destiny. Washington probably does too, and that's why I'm not freaking out about Washington yet either. Sometimes games just turn into slugfests, and Auburn was able to finally hold on. 
I don't know. If I'm a fan, I'm if I'm a fan of them, I'm okay with that. Conscientious? How would you say Georgia played offensively in the second half of the Alabama National Championship? No, look, I, I understand this is bothering you. I, I would say they were cautious. Yes, I'd say they're, playing they not scared. to lose instead of to win. It's a word. People say it all the time. Look, we're going to figure this out. Hold I, on. We're getting to the bottom of this. All right, we've got some time. Let's let's figure this out. It's late. <laughs> I said playing not to lose word, and it says choke. Uh, it's close. It's close. <laughs> uh, you keep going. I'll keep Googling it. What's your Look, next I'm gonna I'm going to keep going down. I'll, I'll just start rattling off stats. Kyler Murray looked impressive for Oklahoma, going 9 for 11. That's a great completion percentage. 209 yards for two touchdowns. Uh Oklahoma really never took their foot off the gas. The lane train never got going, to nobody's surprise. Marquise Brown, six receptions for 133 yards and a touch. Uh, Oklahoma's running back, Rodney Anderson, five carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, That's a 20-yard average. Uh, Yeah, I'll take that all day. Penn State and Appalachian State. My word, this game. This game was insane. Appalachian State scoring 28 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime, which, oh, by the way, Trace McSorley had to lead Penn State down the field and score to force that overtime, which then uh, App State just threw a pick, and it was kind of over from there. Uh, Zach Thomas for App State, better than Chase McSorley in that game, 25-38, 270 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Miles Sanders trying to pick up where Saquon Barkley let off, but 19 carries for 91 yards and two touches is just not going to do it. Um, just, I, I don't know why teams continue to schedule Appalachian State the first game of the year. Uh, they gave Tennessee a heart attack a couple years ago. They gave Penn State a heart attack uh, this year. And, oh, by the way, they beat Michigan about five or six years ago. Our right, gosh, that was over seven, a decade It was ago. seven years ago to the day. No, yeah, I think, oh, no, it was 11. It was 11 years ago to the yeah, day. Yeah, I was about to say, I think it was closer to a decade. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, because it was 2007. That was the same year that Alabama and Nick Saban, in his first year, lost to ULM. The only reason people don't remember that game is because App State beat Michigan. This is the game where I, like, I'm, I'm panicking more about Michigan State than Penn State. I don't know why. I think it's because their superstar made a superstar drive and a superstar play. And that gives me confidence. They just... Yeah, I'm I'm really, really, really concerned if I'm a Penn State fan. But I'm not, you know, ripping my hair out, setting the world on fire yet. They got out of it. They avoided it being horrible. And maybe they can regroup. I know Penn State's still a good team. Maybe it's just I think a they're a good it's probably team, more of a gut I, I feeling. I think the writing's on the wall for Penn State here. I, I think things are starting to unravel a little bit as far as the James Franklin hype train's concerned. I thought of my word. What is it? You're going to be... This is going to... I'm so embarrassed. What is it? Playing conservative. Conservatively. Yeah, that conservative makes sense. Conservative is the word I've been looking for. Taking your foot yeah. off the gas, playing complacent, conservative. Anyway... You got it. Penn good, State. Good job. Good job. And just in time, now that we mentioned Appalachian State beating Michigan, uh, Michigan got beat again, by the way, in case Ugh. you were wondering. I'm so glad I didn't take that bait. Yeah. You, yeah. It, it's Look, 
I flirted. I don't. I don't. I don't know where to start with Michigan. I stuck my I, I sexy games don't. out and let Michigan look at them, but I did not take the bait. Look, it, I don't, let's start with game day. Let's just start from the beginning of the day. Did you see game day at Notre Dame in South Bend? I actually didn't watch. I think there may have been thirty-four people there. That's bad. Most of them parents of players. I mean, it was bad. It was really, really bad. It was not. It was not a good crowd. And you and I went to Alabama. We know bad crowds for game days. All right. It, it got to a point. I know my senior year where there would be game days and there would be like ten people there. So I'm not being a hypocrite here and saying, "Oh, Notre Dame's the only team with this problem." It's stupid early to get up especially when I think Notre Dame students just got back to campus. I'm not sure they really wanted to get up that early uh, when they're going to have to get up early. I think this week was their first week of class uh, and go to class, right? So I understand that they don't want to go. But it looked like nobody was even in school. I I mean, it was terrible. Anyway, Michigan lost to that team who, oh, by the way, last year played Georgia. Georgia beat them, uh, I don't know, the last 10, 20 seconds or so on another Rodrigo Blankenship 600-yard field goal. Uh, And it was like 70% Georgia fans. This game wasn't that. But it it just feels – I don't understand why Notre Dame fans just don't care anymore. It's just so weird to me. What happened? Because Notre Dame isn't cool to a younger generation. Notre Dame, all their fans and Alabama is? are ancient. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's an SEC school. And it's in the South where people eat, sleep, breathe football. Yeah, you That's, can attract young people. it's more of a people. geographical thing than it is a It is. It's geographical, and it's also, it's just, you know, it's Notre Dame. It's, it's, there's, Alabama made itself current again by hiring Nick Saban. Notre Dame is yet to do that. They still feel like that old school that your grandpa roots for. Because Newt Rockney was awesome. Yeah. So is Sean Aston, even though Rudy was offsides. All right. Michigan shut out in the first quarter and third quarter. Scored 10 in the second. That was somewhat impressive. Nope. Michigan then, was only going to be good this year if they could figure out the offense, and they didn't. They just did look, it. And it's look, not that even I, Notre I Dame this beat this question to you last week. Hold on. I've got a gripe with you. All right? Please. About a week ago, two weeks ago maybe, you kept talking about Shea Patterson like he was going to be the answer. And I asked you why you thought that. I said, if he's the answer. But he's not, clearly. We learned. We got him because Shea Patterson had an empty cupboard by the time he ever got any snaps at Ole Miss because of everything that happened. He never had a real team. So I was like, maybe his struggles, and there weren't a ton, but he wasn't a superstar. Um, I, I'm reminded when I watch this game, I rem, I'm reminded of Colin Coward after the national championship last year, who I don't usually quote because I think he's kind of a buffoon. I think he's a Juco Skip Bayless. Uh, that's not fair. That's not fair. He says arguments that make me think differently than how I usually think. But the thing is, that's just all they are. They're just arguments. They're not. I, I don't actually believe he thinks that. I think Danny Cannell is a Juco Skip Bayless. There you go. Uh, but I, I think Colin Coward said something along the lines of why is Nick Saban the greatest coach in college football ever? It's because he can adjust. He adjusts on the fly. He said he did it uh, during the national championship. Obviously, he was switching quarterbacks. You know, he lost a player on the sideline. He had another player try and fight a coach. He just constantly adjusted till they found a way to win. I never see this with Jim Harbaugh. I feel like every single time Michigan loses, I am seeing things. It's the and same I'm like, story. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing, and it's the same thing with Urban Meyer when he loses as well. 
What is Urban Meyer's Achilles heel over the past two or three years? Yeah, two, Urban Meyer. To, but to your point, Harbaugh's lost three times the game in a, in a third of the time that Urban Meyer's lost at all of his time at Ohio State. Har- Harbaugh is now to me the most overrated coach that rode Andrew Luck to an NFL gig. That's what I see him as right now. He got a quarterback that you couldn't mess up with, and Andrew. It's like it's like Gene Chizik, not quite to that point. But Gene Chizik, you can't mess up Cam Newton. You no. just will win games because you have Andrew Luck, you have Cam Newton, um, you have Jameis Winston. You'll win games because you have that guy under center. That's what Harbaugh is. If Harbaugh yeah. doesn't have a you know a, a number one overall pick at center, I mean he, he can't make it work. He has he has four or five stars at quarterback. Brandon Peters was a four star. Dylan McCaffrey, fringe four or five star. They've got guys there. Why are these guys starting? Why why are you hitting the transfers? And your transfer, there was a five-star, number one quarterback in his class with Jacob Eason. Um, why can't you? Why? Why does he look that bad? Why can't you coach that guy up? He doesn't suck, or not? There's no, no way that all three of these guys suck. I guess is what I'm saying. But he can't. No, I just I, can't I'm, get it done. I'm starting. I'm just starting to wonder when the adjustments are going to come because, I, like I said, I feel it's got to be so frustrating for Michigan fans. to. And I talked to a Michigan fan earlier this week. He listens to this podcast. I know he's listening. He's nodding his head right now sitting at his desk at work. He knows exactly what I'm about to say, too. There's no adjustment. There's You watch things on TV and you're like, okay, hey, dude, they're either A, dropping eight, and you need to start hitting them with a little play action, or they're blitzing everybody and you got to hit him with a screen pass. This is things you learn in Madden 04. Like, it just doesn't seem difficult. On the defensive side of the ball. Is this his fourth year? They're killing this... you on out routes. They're killing you on out routes. They're killing you up the middle. If this Make is his fourth year here, then that means that these are all his guys. You know, because early it was, well, he's still using Brady Hoax guys. Come on, get, cut the guy some slack. These are all his dudes. This is, this is all Harbaugh. And... They just look they, – they always look flat. There's nothing dynamic offensively. Defensively, they've got some pretty good dudes, and they, and they show up big in some games. And then sometimes their defense isn't super great, but it's usable. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing Here's- dynamic about this offense and has not been at all. Nothing. No, no player that scares me or has scared me. The only player that scared me is when they used to put Jabril Peppers on offense sometimes. Nothing. He's, no he's been their one name. No he's player. He's been their one name. No player on that offense for the last three years has. And on the and then on the other hand, Notre Dame looks like that they are a team that can contend. ESPN has a fifty-seven percent chance of making the playoff. I'm not going to put it that high, but they, they look like they can contend. That Notre Dame has a chance to make the playoff without playing in a conference championship game, and that's that's not. Sorry, I shouldn't even say that because I know the emails and phone calls and texts I'm going to get about, well, Alabama didn't play in the freaking conference championship. I get it, all right? They had the opportunity to. Notre Dame goes undefeated. They're just in the playoff without having to play anybody in a conference setting, in a championship setting, to get there. That bothers me. There's no opportunity for it. Here's what I'll say about Michigan, and it's kind of the last thing. Do you have anything else you want to say about this game? Because I've good. got one sort of final statement. I'm good. Shea Patterson threw for more yards than Brian Wimbush. Uh, Higdon, Michigan's rusher, 21 carries, 72 yards, 
one touch. Wimbush was Notre Dame's leading rusher for 19 carries and 59 yards. Uh, the leading receiver in the game, Collins, Michigan, three receptions, 66 yards. Hey, uh, Jim, your players are outplaying people and you're not winning ball games. So what does that tell you about you as a coach? That's that's where we'll leave that. Uh, USC rolled over UNLV. Looked pretty good doing it. JT Daniels throwing for uh, 282 yards and a touch. Uh, got an interesting game uh, next week for them. Um, that game, I think, was 14-13 at one point. Uh, at Slow halftime, start, actually. strong finish, yeah. Uh, and then uh, USC, neither team scored in the third quarter. So it's <laughs> 14-13 UNLV going into the fourth quarter, and then USC won by 21. Uh, excuse me, 22. So uh, do that math. Uh, TCU rolls over Southern because they should. Bootstraps Bill Greer. Did you get that sound? You didn't get that sound by the I soundboard, forgot. I'll you? get it for you. Bootstraps, bootstraps. Uh, 25-34 for 430. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. 430 yards. Yes, I do. And five touchdowns. Uh, yikes, if you're Tennessee. Tim Jordan played a great game. 20 carries for 120 yards and a touch. Uh, but that's if you're Tennessee, it's not looking good. Tennessee just lost their starting center for the season. Uh, ouchie Mississippi state plays without Nick Fitzgerald, which was kind of news to me. Uh, but they rolled over Stephen F Austin 63 to six crazy to think how good they could have been had their starter ended up playing, uh, Troy losing to Boise state. Sorry, circle city. Um, Next game I want to spend some time on. Not too much. About two minutes. I, I know we're probably hitting the hour mark. What are we at? About, I'd say 45, 50? We're at 53. Okay, there we go. So we may go to about an hour 10. Sorry about that, people. But, you you know, look, you should be lucky we made it. Uh, or you should be happy we made it. Maryland beats Texas 34-29. Okay? That's embarrassing for Texas. That's embarrassing for Tom Herman. It is. I, I don't have I a lot to say agree. about it. I mean... The, look, hey, do you want to take that? I'll say my one thing, and then I'll let you take it. Sure. Okay? Uh, again, it may be the fact that Texas, your coach is the problem. I don't know if your player is the problem. Ellinger, he didn't play a great game, but he threw for over 250 yards and had two touchdowns. You had the leading rusher of the game. You had the leading receiver of the game. Why aren't you winning the game? Texas, yeah, Herman is not super impressed yet, and he had, well, I won't even say impressed. He we gave him one year, and he was like, all right, well, first year, you can't lose that game. The problems at Texas are beyond just the head coach. It it is a culture problem. It's like you got to fix the culture. They they need to bring in a they need to bring in a Nick Saban. They need to bring in a guy that the boosters will actually listen to. And go, oh, he, it's going to go his way. Because Tom Herman has already bent over to the boosters, and it's over. Just like Charlie Strong did. They need to go, no, screw you. This is the way things are going here at Texas while I'm here. Or don't hire me. They don't have that guy. You, but you can't lose that You can't lose to Maryland two years in a row. You can't lose to this Maryland team two years in a row without the head coach. You just you can't, uh, but you did, and now it's Not to mention bad. the amount of problems Maryland had in the offseason, by right, the way. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this Maryland team, after everything that happened... And you still lose them at home. The at coaching home. staff killed a student athlete. And you just lost to them, Texas. 
You lost to a bunch of murderers. I know that's strong, but yeah, that's I, strong, I just want to get that point across because yeah. I feel like that gets lost in all this. Tom Herman, you just lost to a coach who's not even there anymore that abused his players so bad one of them died. Moving on. Oregon rolls over Bowling Green. A little mad you talked me out of Justin Herbert because he looked great the other night. 10 for 21, 281 yards, five touchdowns. So thank you for that. I guess that's payback for Baker Mayfield. Sure. These next two games, I kind of want to do a compare and contrast. Okay? Because I feel like they had the same tone, the same velocity. This is the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. Uh, the Monday night game, I did not get to watch. Um, oh, the Sunday oh, night game, I watched every single play. Yeah. Uh, I did go back and I watched all the highlights from the Virginia Tech-Florida State game on Monday night. Uh, Miami and LSU. Oh, buddy. What? What? Oh, I. okay. Here we go. Miami is probably the most overrated AP preseason top 10 team I've seen in the last decade of college football. I you still say, say so? Auburn a couple years ago, but continue. That's not great company to be in, even if it is Auburn. Uh, there was almost a fight before this game, too. Everybody seems to forget that. Um, Brossette rushes for 22 carries, uh, 125 yards, and two touchdowns. He looked really strong. Classic LSU running back name, by the way. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Joe Burrow. Can we talk about Joe Burrow for a second, my friend? He looked decent. Don't. Don't. <laughs> he was 11 for 24 for 140 yards and did not throw a touchdown pass. And people are sitting here like, oh, he's great. No, he's I, not. I said decent. He's, he's not decent. Brick, he's 11 for 24 with no touchdowns. If I told you Miami won this game, just flip the scores, and Joe Burrow was 11 for 24 with no touchdowns, you're going, oh, God, he's terrible. Uh, that's a good point. If you told me he had those stats, I would have said, I don't know. I watched much less of that game than you did. I watched more of the Monday night game. The plays I saw from him, he looked like he was the offense was moving. But I... You know, I didn't know the stats. I, I think I think the offense is behind him for sure, but I don't think he's this. Look, uh, this was not a situation where LSU was really, really good. And oh man, LSU's coming out gunning. This is a situation where Miami was really bad, really bad. It's the and same so thing Monday I night. It was you, the same thing on Monday. I, that seems I was about to ask. I ask you now. I will say this. I am buying more of Virginia Tech than I am LSU at this point. That may change because I like LSU's defense a little bit more. But I think Virginia Tech showed up a tad bit more to play uh, against Florida State than LSU did against Miami. I'm going to tee off on FSU. And I'm I can't grew, And I, I grew up this. an FSU fan. Yeah. Um, can I, do you want me to go ahead and start now or do you want to wait on that? I would. I would love for you to start now, my friend. All right, so FSU, this is what you get. I like Willie Taggart overall and what he means and how he fits, but this is what happens when his offseason was based on flash and fun. A team that was ill-prepared, a team that had no direction on offense, a team that had no idea what they were doing, and a team that constantly shot themselves in the foot. It was despicable. The offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Awful, awful, awful. 
Uh, DeAndre Francois wasn't terrible. We've seen him be a good quarterback. He wasn't well, great. He threw for over. He threw for about 233 yards, but he, had, he also he had, threw for three picks. He had three interceptions. Two of them were, were when the game was over. One interception was when it mattered, and it's, the interceptions weren't what alarmed me because one of them was right before halftime. They were trying to make something happen. And the last two, the game was 24-3, and it was over. So when the game mattered, he wasn't throwing a ton of picks. He didn't have time to even throw a pick. He didn't have time to do anything. He didn't have time to throw a pick because he, he, he was running for his life. They couldn't get the running backs going. The play calling would have been your biggest nightmare. Bubble screens till they couldn't run anymore. Yeah, and bubble screens and jet sweeps. and They oh, have arguably the, the best running back in college football. He's up there. He's in the top ten. Cam Akers will be on everyone's top ten running backs list, and he was barely getting the ball till the fourth Rick, quarter when had, it was too late. Look, no, the no, guy no. had 82 yards on 14 carries, and his longest rush was 85 yards. Right. Do that math. Take away the 85-yard run, he runs for negative three yards. They had 11 plays. Or sorry, they went to the, they went to the red zone four times. Negative 11 yards. The third quarter, FSU had negative 7 yards. It was awful. It was terrible. Uh, they would hey, go nowhere. The way, they'd punt out of the back of their end zone, and their defense, God bless them, would hold them. Beamer the, ball's there again. The defense uh, hey, played well. don't forget the play, by the way, that really got under my skin. Cam Akers has an 85-yard run, gets down to what, the 9, he was, 8? Uh, in, inside the 10, yes. And they decide to run the Wildcat, they which go, they hadn't run all night? Oh, no, it was even worse. They go with a, I don't remember what was first down. Second down, they go with a bubble screen to their tight end. Um, they call a timeout. They call a timeout after all that. They got third, and they need to score. They need two touch. They need one touchdown to even make it competitive. They need two to tie it with five minutes, five and a half minutes to play. They come out of the timeout in the wild. Why are you taking the ball out of your quarterback's hands? It's it's bad. It's bad. On the flip side, you look at Virginia Tech. Josh Jackson, he can play. I mean, we knew it. We knew he could play. He showed us last year for the first half of the he season. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. They Their offense was bad in the third quarter. For 207 and two touchdowns, that's not bad. Uh, Deshaun McLeese had a okay game, 13 carries for 77 yards. It's kind of like an NFL day. Uh, but it's, you know, they rushed by committee, um, and they rushed pretty well. Stephen Peoples had 13 carries for 44 yards. No, um, FSU so lost you, that game harder than Virginia Tech won it, and I say the same exact thing for LSU. Miami lost I, that I game agree. much harder than LSU won it. Okay, so let me ask you this to sort of wrap up this segment so we can get into our favorite segment, our sexy segment, as you might call it. Rank these four teams, LSU, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Miami. Say them again? Just rank the four teams that played between Sunday and Monday night. So Ooh. for me right now, I'm going Virginia Tech at one because I feel like their quarterback's more of a game manager. I think LSU's defense is better, but honestly, I I just didn't see enough from LSU. Um, two, I will go LSU, but it's close. I won't be surprised if LSU makes me look really stupid by the end of the year. Uh, three, I'll go Miami because Florida State was that bad. And at least Malik Rogier showed up at some point. And it looked like he was the only guy playing for Miami at some points during that game. Uh, DeAndre Francois played great when he could. But like you said, he had no time out in the pocket. So I'll put them in last. No, I'm 100% with you. I'll put, yeah, same same order. Virginia Tech looks like they'll win the Coastal. Um, and then you got LSU. Yeah, it, it would, I mean, FSU has to play Miami. 
And Miami, for all their flaws, still has a great front seven. And they won't be able to block them. Can you imagine when FSU plays Clemson this year? Oh, God. Anyway. Can you imagine? Hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Can you imagine when Virginia Tech meets Clemson this year? That'll be fun. That's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm not saying. But I'm just saying. If, if, if Josh Jackson can calm down, they can sort of fix some of their issues they had on defense. Because they are replacing a lot on defense. Uh you know, if they can fix some of those issues, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Hey, buddy, you ready for this? You ready for this? I'm so ready. Oh, baby. Both of the sweethearts get the W in week one. I will say, though, now that the song has stopped... <laughs> NC State did struggle a bit against, uh, uh, who did they play, James Madison? I work with a lot of NC State fans who were pretty frustrated by that game. Their quarterback, Finley, he threw for a lot of yards. Uh, they couldn't get the ground going. But They had no ground game going. They, they know, had to throw for a lot of yards. They struggled against a, 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 a former president. That's never good. But I, they I both won, baby. This. Ooh, just listen. Wolfpack, Deacons. That's good. I like that. I think one episode we should just play it on repeat for an hour, never talk about that episode again, and post it. Uh, Wake Forest beat Tulane in overtime by six. I will say this, though. I was having a little bit of, like, some sweetheart sadness almost i don't know if sadness is the right word uh because tulane's old school angry wave logo is the best logo in college football right now period have you seen this um no it is a cartoon wave that's frowning holding a cheerleading megaphone that says tulane down the side when I, like I tell that. you I wanted to buy every single t-shirt I could find, yeah, I, want that I am apparel. not kidding. I want some apparel with that. It is marvelous. Uh, they wore white lids with that logo, uh, baby blue jerseys, baby blue pants. It looked like Braves uniforms from the 80s uh, that my dad calls the pajama uniforms. I mean, they're just disgusting looking. That logo was incredible, but not as incredible as the Demon Deacons fighting it out to the end, winning it over time. Hit me with the music. Let me gotcha. Let me get, let me pull that up. It's right here. And what a boom. This is uh, wrapping up week one of college football, people. Uh, the most important stats of the day is that both of our sweethearts are undefeated as we head into sexy week two. Whoa, whoa. Uh, let's go to week two, by the way. Let's do it. Let's go to week two. Uh, Brick, not a lot of games in week two. Uh, we're we're going to kind of rip through these kind of quick. Clemson and A&M, uh, sort of, I think, the marquee matchup from week two. And I think um, that's, I think, I don't think it will end up being that way, but no, that's I where don't game day is going. I, I think this one could get ugly real quick based on, uh, based on what we saw from both teams in week one. I think Clemson just looks a little bit more settled in a little bit more honed in on what they want to do, and I, I think they'll impose their will, especially on the defensive side of the ball, against Kellen Mond, who looked decent, 
in the opener. Right, but Kellen Mond can't handle this. I just don't. No. He can't. He cannot handle this. I, I this think he throws interceptions. Best. I think he throws picks. I think he throws pick sixes. I think he throws interceptions to next week's opponents in this week's game. Uh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be 42. I'll give it 42-13. I, I, don't, I don't see it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit less than that. I'm gonna go thirty-one seven. No, I'll go thirty-one fourteen. I like thirty-one fourteen. I just this game is in Kyle Field, uh, which is good for Texas A&M, but I I think this one's gonna be ugly. I did skip a game uh, that I kind of want to again. We're, we'll we'll sort of do a compare and contrast. Which game is closer, South Carolina uh, hosts Georgia or A&M hosts Clemson? I go South Carolina Georgia. I do too. Uh, Jake Bentley, 22 for 29 for 250 yards uh, and four touchdowns uh, in, his, in his week one debut. Now, granted, South Carolina only had to take care of the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Uh, Georgia played Austin P and performed as expected. Uh, this game on CBS, it's really kind of the first CBS SEC marquee matchup of the season. Again, South Carolina at home. The line right now is Georgia by 10. The over-under is at 56 and a half. What, what's your score prediction for this game and why? I'm surprised it's just 10, to be honest. I, I am it, too. I thought it'd be pretty big. I, I was going to say it was going to be by 10. I, was, I would thought it'd be like 20. So I'm a little surprised. I was going to say, um, I was gonna say uh, 31-21 was my score prediction. And... Uh, I stand by. I still pick Georgia to win, but it's going to be late. It's going to be a late win. I think this one kind of turns into a slog there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I think this game will hit a point when both teams kind of. I don't know. I, I see it. I, I don't see Georgia losing this game. What I can see happening is Georgia pulling away in the fourth quarter, kind of like you just said. Um, I think this could be a game that's, you know. 42-28, and people at home go, oh, okay, so it really wasn't that close. Uh, no, it was, you know, uh, you know, 32-28 going into the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, it's just, I think Georgia's just got too many weapons offensively, but I think this is a great game for South Carolina to really, this is a great barometer for them to see where they are in that SEC East for conversation. Teams. For really, for yeah, both teams, yeah. Really, really. Um, you know, I, I think... If Bentley can get going early, I think if South Carolina can really take advantage of their home field, I think this could be a great game. Uh, at the same time, I think this also could be a blowout. <laughs> I think yeah. I think Georgia could really run away with this one uh, in a big way uh, if they get going early as well. Should be great weather. It's going to be 94 degrees, so it's a little hot. But other than that, going to be a, a, a great day uh, for a little SEC football, early SEC football, man. Early, early, early. Uh, but, you know, you got to love it, especially when it's in the same division. Um, who do you think has to play uh, their A game on Saturday for South Carolina to win? Uh, it's got to be the two dudes. It's got to be Debo and it's got to be Jake Bentley, especially Jake Bentley. Yeah, I think, think Debo Samuel's got to be, be perfect. He's, he's got to be a guy that steps up on defense, too. They, they, they need a captain on that defense, especially against a guy like Fromm. Uh, but again, I think Georgia's got just got too many weapons, uh, and and they'll get it done. Um, I think Kelly Bryant will definitely take care of Texas A and M, bouncing around a little bit. Bootstraps Bill is going to have no problem with the Penguins out of Youngstown State, uh, school that will not be named. Plays South Carolina State, 
really making a conversation for them to keep going undefeated when you're putting that many tough teams on your schedule there, guys. Uh, heads up, uh, Alabama State straight up called out Auburn last week, so that's going to be a slaughter. Uh, Florida's looking to make it 105,000 games straight against Kentucky. Uh, Pittsburgh's looking to play upset to Penn State early. That's my upset special for the weekend. Uh, but then we get a little bit of some Pac-12 after dark. A little shock jock radio for you. Stanford hosts USC. Uh, USC, like we said, had to pull away late from UNLV. I really do think that's a talented UNLV team. Uh, and I think this is either this is either going to make or break Bryce Love's Heisman conversation. I think this early. I really, really do. With the amount of talent in college football this season, with Will Greer, with Tua, uh, you know... I, I really think this has to be Jake Fromm's another guy who could come out and win it. I really think this is going to be a year where it's tough to win it as a running back. But if he's going to do it, he needs to play huge and big games like against USC this weekend. Brick, what is your score prediction? I'm still taking Stanford. Uh, I like, uh, you know, I think uh, Shaw is a great coach. He'll be able to come up with a way to slow down a true freshman. It's the first real big test for the true freshman. He's got to play Stanford, who's a team that doesn't beat themselves very often. Uh, low score. Low scoring. I'm. I mean, I'm Ooh. saying super low scoring. I'm going like, like seventeen ten. Wow. Uh, I. I think it'll be a little bit more than that. I think Bryce Love plays better than he did. He had eighteen carries for twenty nine yards. I mean, that's Trent Richardson, Indianapolis Colts numbers. Ouch. I mean, that's bad. Ouch. That's bad. So Ooh. I think Bryce Love will, will. He'll. He'll. He'll hit triple digits. I think. Um, especially with the way the running Rebs ran all over the Trojans last week. I think Bryce Love gets triple digits, maybe gets a couple touchdowns under his belt, gets that Heisman momentum back. Uh, you know, K.J. Costello, uh, Stanford's quarterback, had a great game last week, 21 for 31 for 332. Uh, four touchdowns, did throw a pick, but it didn't really matter at that point. Uh, so, you know, I, I expect uh, Stanford to really settle in. I don't think it's going to be low scoring just because it's the Pac-12. Uh, I'm going to go 34. I'll go 34 21 here. Uh, Stanford wins it. Last game that I want to talk about, and this is kind of a dud to end the podcast on, and I'm sorry. Uh, but we've got Michigan State at Arizona State. Listen to this the high in Tempe, Arizona on that day, on Saturday, is 108 degrees. 10.45 kickoff. Eastern time, obviously. Uh, Michigan State, if they want to get back on the wagon, they've got to do it here. I, I think they really took a shot in the gut last week with that. It was struggling as badly as they did against Utah State. Arizona State's not... They're not great, but they played pretty well last week, the first game under Herm Edwards, which sounds like it's been an adventure and a half. Um, you know, they, they had... A couple of big plays against the Roadrunners finished out the game 49-7. That game's going to be on ESPN. I know I'll be watching. Brick, what is your score prediction for the Sun Devils and the Spartans? I'm taking Sparty. You know me. I try not to overreact to week one too much. I try to keep it even keel and not... Because, I mean, two years ago, Texas was back in week one, and they definitely weren't. And it's just you never... It's too hard to overreact to week one other than I am way overreacting to what FSU did. Other than that... Um, again, these two, these are two teams I don't see scoring a lot. I'm going, I'm going 21. I'm at, I don't know, 21, 14. I just, I don't, I don't love yeah. each team, but I like Michigan state more than I like Arizona state. 
I don't really have I'm gonna much take, more to say than that. I, just so we can disagree a little bit on this podcast, because we've agreed pretty much on everything else so far, I think Arizona State pulls the upset this weekend. Uh, and I, I think this could really unravel the Spartans. Uh, they've got a rough Big Ten schedule. <laughs> I mean, they really do. Uh, but I think Arizona State could go up top on them. I'm going to say it's a high-scoring game. I like a 42... Give me, give me 42... 37. So on you're this feeling one. offenses this week. I'm not. I'm I'm laying back on offenses. Uh, besides Clemson, is that it for week two? That's it. We're done. We're done. We're done. That's what was our time there? Our time had to be pretty good. We're one fifteen. Yeah, one fifteen. Uh, pleasantries, such. Thank you for yep. listening. I I let you do that part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. We say this every week. Brick and I have always wanted to do this podcast from the bottom of our hearts. We really, really appreciate you listening in. Uh, we talked about doing a radio show when we were in college. Never really got around to it because we were in college. Uh, left school. I moved to Orlando. We would talk about Alabama football pretty much every single day. Uh, the conversation sort of bled over into what if we did a podcast? And we both kind of laughed. Then we realized that we could actually do it. And here we are four years later in our hashtag senior year. If you talk about us on Twitter, it's hashtag senior year. If you talk about us on Facebook, it's hashtag senior year. Uh, if you want to listen to earlier in the podcast, uh, find that Alabama episode. It's the beginning of the episode up to about the 30-minute mark, and then everything since then has been uh, the national episode. Sorry we're not doing two this week. Like we said, we're just both really busy. Uh, Bulls are fighting for a spot to play in the Governor's Cup. Uh, lost game one tonight, but it's a five-game series, so hopefully they'll pull through by the end of the week. I know you've got a lot going on that we'll, we'll mention in the near future. Uh, and if we don't, we'll make up some really funny story uh, and go from there. But, Brick, is there anything else you want to mention, my friend? We good, bro. All right. Sounds good. Everybody, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes as well. We really, really appreciate that. It's how we grow our brand. Thank you so much for listening. And most importantly, Brick, roll, roll tide. tide.